Hi, this is Doug Kay, the co-host of All About the Gear, and you're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by the brand new TWIP School. You can check it out at school.thisweekinphoto.com. The Out of Chicago Photography Conference is taking its show on the road for the Out of New York Photography Conference. It's going to be held October 14th through 15th. Join myself, Rick Salmon, Brian Peterson, Lindsay Adler, Valerie Jardin, Steve Simon, R.C. Concepcion, and the rest of the lineup for an amazing hands-on photography experience in the heart of beautiful New York City. Use the code TWIP100 for $100 off the $349 registration fee, before April. Just go to outofnewyork.com for more information and see you in New York City. This is TWIP, episode 464, Future to the Back. High-end and renowned camera manufacturer Leica is at it again. Heading down the less is more path with regard to features or lack thereof in its newest camera introduction, the Leica MD. Where companies like Sony, Panasonic, Olympus, etc. are moving to refine and increase the capabilities of their systems, for some camera manufacturers, removing features has become their leading strategy. Leica began this trend with the introduction of their It Only Shoots in Monochrome M-Series, and Nikon joined the fray with their retro-styled DF body with a, quote, thrilling blend of classic and modern Nikon features. These cameras eschew modern luxuries like video, touchscreens, and built-in Wi-Fi transfer, yet they offer an increased price point for the privilege of not enjoying these missing features. In this episode, we examine this trend of getting back to basics and discuss the deeper issue of the camera as a fashion accessory versus a tool. Or can it be both? It's Monday, May 9th, 2016, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Another, yet another special show this week for you guys. Uh, you got a double whammy this week on This Week in Photo. The Angry Millennial is making two appearances on the TWIP network. First on TWIP Talks, which released earlier today. And once again on TWIP Proper, which we're recording right now. Jose Rosado, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Yeah, it's good to have you. I'm excited to hear, you know, your opinions, your angry opinions on today's <laughs> topics. <laughs> You're like, how did I get branded angry? I'm not really. Oh, angry. that's fine. That's accurate. That's accurate. Awesome. awesome. Also joining us, good old friend of mine, Mr. Martin Bailey, coming to us from Tokyo. What's going on, Martin? Uh, everything's going on. Everything and nothing. It's uh, everything it's nice. and nothing. That's yeah. very. That's very nihilist of you. He's, yeah, he's very zen. <laughs> uh, I'm sort of. I'm stuck in the office at the moment, doing lots of things that uh, you know, catching up on business, but also some creative stuff with the computer. So yeah, it's, it's like what uh, nine, nine a.m. over there, right? It's uh, just after ten. Yeah, ten a.m. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Nice. Good. Yeah. Forgetting creative stuff on the computer, as in geek stuff or photography stuff. Um, well, I've, I've actually over the last week I've spent way too much time trying to create some music for a Namibia slideshow that I'm putting together at the moment. I finished the slideshow in about a, a day and a half, which was a bit longer, but 
then I spent I spent the last four days trying to get create some music that I like for it using oh, you know various um, MIDI instruments and it's driving wait, me crazy. Wait, did you say creating music? Nah, yeah, that's that's too much work. I, I know I'm not creating any music. I'm not going to do that. But I'm I'm knee deep in building this out of Chicago presentation. And it's uh, I I know how you feel. It's like yeah, I know all this stuff. It's not that long. But uh, even, uh, you know, and I'm not, my presentations aren't very slide heavy, but mm-hmm. still it's like, you know, it, when you're, when you're anal retentive, man, building slides, <laughs> that's, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a problem. Yeah. It's yeah. a problem. If, if any old crap would do, I'd, I'd be finished in half an hour, but it's, <laughs> no, you... yeah. yeah, exactly. I got to get into that. Any old crap will do mode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're All getting right. to that age. It's, you know, it's, it's approaching. No, it gets worse <laughs> as you get older and c- come on. See, you're Jose. You keep sticking your hand into the lion's cage, <laughs> and you're like, "Why does my arm keep getting mauled? I don't understand." <laughs> All right, I'm gonna take pity on you because you're new. That's fine. You know? That's fine. All right, guys, let's let's jump into this week's featured stories. The first story is about Leica. So they just dropped a, a six thousand dollar camera, um, and they took the display off of it to get more of a retro yeah. look. And yeah, and you know, and let's let's just start on a positive note. This is awesome. The camera looks beautiful. Everything seems like Leica makes is just, it's like almost, you don't want to shoot with it. It needs to go on a, a, a shelf, like a Roman shelf in your house or a pedestal yeah. in the middle of the room with lights on it and, you know, with an arm guard. And, and I look at this thing and I'm like, you know, this is beautiful, but why do you, like, it's like, like digital flogging. Like, why would you... <laughs> punish yourself you know and i understand a challenge and restrictions and less is more and all that but it's like you know what i'm gonna get a car and i'm gonna you know just for the heck of it i'm gonna remove the gearbox you know because it's too efficient jose you first what, what do you think I'm, I'm, I, mean, I, I may be off base but you know I'll hear what you think. i mean to me it's like basically taking uh the nikon df and yes. just taking it to a whole nother level of hipster snobbery that yeah, even me, like I, I'll be honest. So David Hobby, there was a, uh, I believe it was Petapixel article and it said, it said literally, uh, of the, uh, the best part about shooting with a Leica is how it makes you feel. And I think they were serious. And he literally wrote, that is the most Leica thing. I, that is the most Leica thing I've ever read. And I was dying I mean, David's funny, but that was probably yeah. the funniest thing I ever heard him say, because it's true. I mean, look, I'm I'm no snob. I mean, like I, I shoot with a D4. It's an expensive camera. It's the same price yes. tag. It was six grand new, but yeah. at the same time, I can appreciate Leica for what it is. You know, there I don't I can't think of many other cameras that can go through World War II and still be working today. You know that kind of thing, and and they are who they are. But bar none, no one's no one's gonna argue that. No, Leica has a, uh, I mean, even before that whole kind of Fuji uh, fanboyism kind of started, you know, yeah, where people yeah. just like sort of identify and come to fists and fights and wrestling over their camera brand, Leica was the first one to kind of start that. I mean, like these mm-hmm. other camera brands like Canon, um, Nikon, etc. Yeah, of course, people, you know, they get the Stockholm Syndrome and they start <laughs> loving their gear, of course. But <laughs> but with Leica and Fuji and those guys, it just goes to a, a whole new level. And yeah. it seems like, I don't know, Martin, I, w- I, w- I want your thoughts on this. I know you don't shoot Leica, but when you when you look at something like this in these companies that are that are taking photography in the direction of, okay, everyone else is giving you 4K and 
and 4K photo and, you know, stabilized video and, you know, ultra low light sensitivity from Sony's, all that kind of stuff. We're going to go in the opposite direction. We're going to give you less. In fact, we're going to next year in 2017, we're going to release a $20,000 camera that shoots film. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, real quick, it's, I think it's the fact that they're going in the opposite direction, right? Being a little bit different. And I'll give you yeah. credit there, but yeah. yeah. I don't know. Martin, what do you think? You know, that's what you just said there, Frederick. That's exactly what I said. Um, one of my apprentices in the, uh, the Arcanums said that posted a link to it a few days ago. And I said, if I want to go that retro, I'll just shoot film. And then I get the pleasure of, of developing it as well. You know, and yeah. it's, I mean, that to me, there, there's value in that. I, and, and as you've both said, you know, Leica's Leica and everyone, you know, loves Leica. I, I've never owned one, but it doesn't mean that I, I, you know, I would love to have one of those hanging off my neck every so often. But it, to me, it would be more like an accessory than a, mm-hmm. than a camera. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're beautiful cameras. Everyone knows that. Um, but I, I really don't see the point in, um, in taking, it's like, I mean, you, you said the gearbox. To me, it's almost, these days, it's almost like just removing the steering wheel. Um, yeah. Because we, yeah. we rely... It's like a self-driving Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we um, we we did depend so much now on looking at... I mean, the way I shoot, I expose, expose to the right. And so I, I always... Um, I'm looking at the histogram. It's part of my shooting workflow. It's part, it's part of how I get the best quality images. And, you know, sure... I, I shot film and I I mean I've I've play, been playing around with a twin lens reflex that I bought um, last year, and it's a lot of fun. But I think to me that's all it is. It's it's more a a way of having fun with the gear, and and that would be for me the same the probably the same reason why I would buy a Leica. Um, if if I was a lot more wealthy than I am, I would probably have a couple anyway. Um, but when when you have to be careful about how you spend your money. Um, you know, you you don't necessarily want to be spending six grand on a camera that you that you can't use to the full. And you know, we've got technology now that enables us to do so much with photography that it just feels you know like a step in the in the well, not in the wrong direction, but it seems like a step back. And and yeah. that that of course is what Leica are trying to do with this. So mm-hmm. you know, and it. But I wonder, if, I wonder, I wonder if the if we're looking at it different from the from the wrong perspective because I I tend to look at this stuff from. You know, it's about the image and, you know, it's 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 the art and the, the camera and all that stuff is the is a means to the end, you know, which is why I take the kind of the, the tongue in cheek stance of, hey, you know, you're you have Stockholm syndrome about your gear when really it's about the final photo. You know, no one no one looks at great works of art paintings from Da Vinci and they're, you know, they're saying, I wonder what kind of brush he used for mm-hmm. that, man. No, he used a camel hair brush, not that, mm-hmm. not the cheap goat's hair brush. Yeah. All the, you know? <laughs> and, and you, you know, there's, there's certainly something to be said for the gear inspiring your photography. I mean, I, I know that um, even, I'm sure everyone at some point, you've, you've not felt quite as inspired to go out and then you get a new lens or a new something and, you, and you, all of a sudden you're all flamed up, you want, you're fired up, you want to get outside with your camera. And, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes the gear can just inspire new work. And, it, and mm-hmm. I can imagine having a camera such as this new Leica when you don't have the, the ability to chimp, you, you know, whether you've got the desire or not, it, it would, for some people, change the way they, the way they shoot. And, and I'm sure it will be an inspiration in some ways as well. 
Um, is it fashion though? I mean, it feels like it's fashion. It was like, well, is, it, is this a, I mean, is this like I, the I trade show camera that you carry with you to impress <laughs> other photographers? Okay, and PPE? I could I could see that, but I think I agree with Martin's last point, where you know it. it so like, like we all know, right? When you get into photography, you get good bodies, and then you get like different lenses. But then when you really are like passionate about the craft and everything else, then suddenly you just you own certain things out of respect for the industry, you know, like I'll have a mirrorless camera just to see what mirrorless is like. I may not shoot with it all the time, but I have an a seven and, and I like it because it's not the same form factor as my D four. And, you know, I could still put nice Zeiss lenses on it and stuff, but I would never say I'm just going to go all in one direction. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I would never put all my eggs in the mirrorless basket just cause, but, mm -hmm. but like he said, I think when you get to a point where if you have the money, you have the means and you, you genuinely like the craft. Yeah. Like, like when I get my Sony out, I do shoot a lot different than when I shoot with my D4, you how, know, like, how so? that's interesting. How, how do you so, shoot differently? Well, for instance, the reason why I got it was because I wanted something lighter and smaller to be more inconspicuous shooting in a, like cityscapes in the city and mm -hmm. traveling. So, you know, if I know that, I might not take it to go shoot a live sports event, but I'll take it when I'm just walking around and kind of want to just kind of work and move a little bit slower mm -hmm. than I would with my D4. Yeah. Um, the D4 is, is, is obvious that you're there as a professional photographer, whereas when you go mirrorless, it's debatable. At least right now it is debatable yeah. whether you're just a regular guy with a point and shoot or a professional photographer. Right. I mean, to be yeah. fair, let's all let's all let's all admit it here call a spade a spade e even with a dslr you have dentists and doctors who just have you know one dx for the hell of it mm -hmm. you know and walk yeah. around and just right, have no idea and that's where doing. this i think this is that's where leica's and that's what i'm trying to get to is that is that the market is the is is the market split on and with some gray area in between where on the far on one side there's a people that couldn't care less about what they're shooting with as long as it allows them to execute the vision that they have in their head and get that image. And then on the far left, there are the people that, yeah, they're okay shooters, but they're they're concerned about appearances and, you know, what shoes am I wearing and does, do those shoes yeah. match my camera case? And, right, right. You know, and, those, I, and then I, the people in the middle, you know, it, it's yeah. not black or white, people in the middle yeah. that are like, you know, a little bit of both. Right. I don't know. Which, which I mean, it? to me, I think of Leica... I think of two two kinds of people. I think of actual hard chiseled photojournalists who cover mm -hmm. some serious stuff, mm -hmm. and then you have doctors and dentists who have way too much money on their hands. <laughs> but that used to be hand. the case. I mean, in the old days, you know, right. in the war, you know, like with with Noctway and all those guys out there in mud and you know sleeping in tents for days, you know, to get the get these phenomenal shots. Leica was there, mm -hmm. and and Leica helped change the world in that respect because mm -hmm. the cameras made it through all that stuff flawlessly, which yeah. is why they're still here today. Like you said, yeah. they made it through war and all that stuff, and they're still going strong with their brand intact. Mm -hmm. But those days, not to take anything away from Leica, but there are other viable alternatives for a percentage of the cost these days if, if your end result is to, I need a camera that's going to allow me to... to walk through the Sahara mm -hmm. and come out with images on the other side. It's not, it's no longer the, the domain of only the Leicas out there. Right. Yeah. 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 Like you said, technology, I think that's what's happening. Technology has come to a point where it created a level playing field mm -hmm. and Leica is just saying, you know what, we're kind of going to bow out a little bit 
and and not go backwards, but just go in a little bit of a different direction. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in that yeah. sense, you can't argue. You know, they, they yeah. they've been around long enough; they can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, you know, no, they're and still going to sell cameras. Respect, yeah. respect to Leica. Leica's like the Tiffany's of photography, right? They can <laughs> they can do whatever they can price their their diamonds at whatever they want. Martin, it, given what I said before, that that kind of bifurcation of the photography space with you know, the, the the pure, I don't care what I'm shooting with artists on one side and on the other side, the other guys that care what they're shooting with and what people perceive um, of their of their gear. Where do you fit in there? Which which guy are you? I already know the answer to this, but what, which, <laughs> where do you fit in there? You're, you're so superficial, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so no, the, th- the thing is, is, you know, I like I said, I'm, I, would, I would love, if I had the disposable cash to... To buy some, buy this camera, I probably would. But I, I would, I would still, if I'm going to spend six thousand dollars, I would buy, I would spend it on, I, I would get a, a different Leica, um, yeah. but one with yeah. a, one with a back yeah. that you know that I can actually use um, to yeah. view the images. I, I can see the appeal, but I, I think it's, I mean, I keep coming back to, um, what was it? There, I think it was in that uh, um, a movie. I forget, I, I forget even the actors now. A long, long while ago, where. I think that they were doctors or something, just like Jose's saying, you know, and and uh, they were trying to get out of somewhere, and and the wife said, "Oh, wait a minute, I forgot my Leica," and she has to run back in for the Leica, and it's like life or death situation. Uh-huh. I think people yeah. do they once if you own one, you love it, and I I would love it. I I would really I'd love to own a Leica. Yeah, but let's be when, honest, who wouldn't love a beautiful uh, exactly old school heritage Ferrari? I mean, exactly. of course, yeah. you know what I mean, exactly. like. It would feel strange though. It would be like I want. I'm not no no deni- denying it. If someone got me one, I would love to have like a, a just to play with and walk around and shoot with it. And they're amazing cameras. But I, I just think about it from like if you you save up all this money and you go buy a Tesla, you hmm. know you're you get 150 grand and you get your Tesla S decked out properly. And now you have this Tesla. And now you're like, well. I, I don't want to park it over there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I want to park in a handicapped spot and risk getting a ticket because I don't want anybody messing, with, you know. And I think yeah. is that is that a similar feel for this Leica? You're like, okay, I'm going to take my Leica out of its velvet case that it came in. <laughs> I don't want to shoot with it. Are you kidding? I don't care if there's a riot going on. I'm not going to shoot right. with my Leica. You know, I might yeah, scratch yeah. it. You yeah. know, I, I think I, I think wonder. you're always going to have that. You're always going to have the people who 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 literally forget what it is at its core, right? So yeah. car guys who never get on it. And you're going, yeah. dude, you bought a Ferrari for a reason. You got to let that thing breathe. They you polish it every weekend. Yeah, you got to get on it every once in a while. Um, but then, like you said, then it comes down to the purists and it comes down to the the people who have the means to appreciate it but not really actually get their hands dirty and that kind of thing. I mean, like 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 Martin said, if I had that money, I agree. I'd buy one with a back and I'd put gaffer tape on it if I really wanted to. <laughs> yeah. That's what I do with my cameras. Yeah. All of my cameras, all of my cameras uh have black gaffer tape over what they are. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you, just just because it's for, for twofold because it's for photographers and for normal people, you know, or other people. Because other people are like, hey, is that, that's a nice camera. What is that? And I don't want them to, like, see the name and be like, right. oh, you shoot that. What is that? And then yeah. photographers, it's almost like uh, in Silicon Valley, they people instantly judge you. And I guess maybe it's California or the world. People yeah. instantly judge you based on what you're driving and right. where you work. No, yeah, if yeah. they know what you're driving and what and where you work, they can infer if right. you're worth talking to or not. Have, right? have you ever seen the show Veep? 
yes, yes. So there's this with one Ju- with Julianne, what's where, her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, right from Seinfeld. yeah, Julia Dreyfus. Yeah. So there's this one scene where there's these two guys who are just basically White House staffers, and they're sitting there. One of them has a a five D Mark II, and he's shooting. And he goes, oh, how you like it? How you like that 5D? He goes, oh, it's great. It's great. Got some great images. He goes, yeah, I have a 1D. And he goes, oh, that's cool. And he's just like trying to like not converse with him. He goes, so um, why, why didn't you get a 1D? He's like, because this 5D Mark II is just as good. It's fine. Oh, well, you know, I, I have a 1D. And he goes, yeah, I, let me ask you something. He goes, are you taking pictures of like fish jumping out of the water and getting like 12 frames a second, crystal clear detail? No, then why the hell did you buy a one day? <laughs> and they just start going back to what? And it was the most hysterical thing ever. And the guy, yeah. just, he obviously doesn't know how to use it. And he just goes, "Well, yeah, but because it's a one day, like, I, like he yeah. didn't get it, you know, like." Yeah. And yeah. the other guy was more of a you know utilitarian and was like, "Dude, it's, you don't need that kind of that that much camera if you're not using yeah. it for its purpose." But you think uh, about the influx of of you know, photography is one of the if not the fastest growing hobby in the U.S. and I don't know maybe mm-hmm. the world. Uh, yeah. Or some parts of the world, at least, um, and the you, you look at when people that are jumping into into photography with lots of disposable income, they get influenced. You know, you get excited about this new thing you're getting in. You start buying magazines and going to blogs. And you're like, and you start building your heroes. You're like, hey, mm-hmm. Martin Bailey. Oh, I look at his work. I want to shoot like Martin. Jose Rosado. I want to shoot like Jose. Look at those shots he's doing. Yeah. Who do they shoot with? Yeah. Oh, Martin shoots with this. I have to have that camera. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> it's, like the same, it's the same thing Regardless. with cycling. Yeah, you have guys who spend five grand on a bike because they can. Yeah. Yeah. And then you sit there and go, oh, it's the same one that Lance Armstrong rides. It's like, yeah. well, does it make you as fast as Lance Armstrong? Probably not. Right. <laughs> you know, right. like yeah. you're out there getting smoked by a 65 year old dude on a steel, you know, 80s uh, uh, Panasonic bike. I mean, what's the point? You know what I mean? Well, granted, if it was a Lance Armstrong bike, it would probably have like some sort of chemical booster <laughs> rocket on it. <laughs> <laughs> Comes with EPO built in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it would deny having that booster rocket like, on you literally it. Until... Sit, you sit in the saddle and you're like, what just poked me in the ass? What the hell is that? <laughs> Why is Jose's bike so fast? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you. It's just me. <laughs> I don't know, Martin. Martin, wait, like when you look back, what was it like? Uh, Leica was like a year ago or two years ago, maybe a little bit more. They came out with their M model, mm, the that black was and white one, the black and white, yeah, monochrome yeah. M for monochrome. Yeah. And this, it was the same kind of argument. Less yeah. is more. We're taking stuff away. Mm. It's romantic. It makes you get back to real photography. What? Where did you weigh on that? Was that is that a good thing, or could you just put your your awesome? more expensive camera <laughs> in in a mode where it's shooting monochrome you, you know again i think it's it's more about whether it inspires the photographer or not um i mm. i don't see the point of it i honestly i i think that the shooting in black and white when you've got no control over the conversion is mm. i don't know it, it's, it only it only works for certain things i think i mean when i look at photos um from the m I, I, I think Henri Cartier-Bresson, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that's because, I mean, that f- it feels the same way. But he was, of course, shooting with black and, wo- black and white film and mm-hmm. had no control over the, com- over the, um, the conversion. 
But I think, so in, on that same line, I think that they're great for street photography and things like that, where yeah. you don't necessarily want to be playing around, pumping up the reds to make them darker or, or taking the blues down to make them lighter or whatever. You, you know, I think that it's when you want what comes out of the camera to be the end product, they're great. And I'm sure that, you know, for street photography and various types of photography, they really are um, an inspiring tool. Um, but I'm nature and wildlife predominantly. And when I, when I convert something to black and white, I want the freedom to be able to tweak the color information in the original raw file to make reds darker or, or lighter, blues darker or lighter. And then you, you end up with a, a, a much more inspiring fi final product. And yeah. I've seen, even recently again, I've seen work, landscape work done with the M and honestly, it's uninspiring. It it just it just doesn't convey the beauty of the of the landscape because it's flat. There's no, you can't do anything with the contrast. I mean, you could argue I I might pump up the contrast in my black and white images too much, but that that's how I like the that's uh, the look that I like. Your choice, yeah. Right. I, I mean, so if and and it takes away the freedom to do that. <coughs> so even if I decided I was going to shoot without the the LCD. Um, I would rather have no LCD than only black and white, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, I don't know. I just think six grand, you're, and I'm looking at the Leica page. Now, let me share this with you guys. Looking at the Leica page, and I'm thinking, you know, $6,000, you get this this awesome camera. Of course, it's beautiful. You love it. And then you you, you take this thing out to Namibia or Botswana or you know, Vancouver or someplace and you're shooting with it. And then you're like, oh man, that shot would look great. And, you know, if you say it's one of these monochrome cameras, you're like, oh, that shot would look great if I was shooting color. Mm. <laughs> you <don't, laughs> but you don't. And I understand the exercise, the exercise in, in restrictions, but I'm just like, I don't know. It just, you know, would you get this camera and then carry a smaller mirrorless camera that was more functional just in case you needed to get that? In which case, why not that. just get a more capable camera? Yeah, I can see that. You know? I mean, like one thing I do that people, some people get and some people don't, I think mostly wedding photographers get it, is like when I'm shooting certain stuff, if I'm like, I'm, if I'm literally looking to get or to get in like an emotive space, I'll put mm -hmm. it on monochrome in my Nikon even though I'm shooting raw. So on the back of the camera, it'll look nice and punchy. It'll look, you know, very sharp and contrasty. But it, that's just because I want to see it like how I envision it. But when I put it on my computer, it just suddenly it's a flat color file because it's a raw file. But I'll, I'll always still do it just so I can say, okay, this is, you know, this could be what it would look like. Gives me an idea of how I might edit it, you know, in post. But... It's um, I still do it. So I, I guess under that same, <clears throat> that same uh, way of thinking of this. Only it's like, it's literally, you know, like you said, it's it's very uh, uh, rest restricted in a lot of in a lot it, of. Times. And speaking of restricting this camera, another first is uh, at least for late model cameras, it only shoots DNG raw DNG files, mm -hmm. meaning yeah. no JPEG, none of that stuff. And Again, for me, I'm this. Maybe it's because I'm just like a nerd, and I like I like the Wi-Fi. I like to be able to connect to my camera through Wi-Fi and pull off a JPEG and play with it and send it out. You know, none of that with this. And so it's almost what, like you're like, okay. yeah. What camera do you have that it works? I, I have the first. Oh, all of my cameras. 
Really? I have the yeah. first year A7. It sucks. Well, yeah, that's your first. That's your problem right there. <laughs> yeah, and then and then but then I, then I have my D4. Sorry, this, Alpha mirrorless it's guys. It's old enough. It's old enough that literally, I mean, I don't know if you remember this when the, when the D4 came out. They go, oh, it's got Wi-Fi capability. If you buy, it was like seven or eight hundred dollar add-on mm-hmm. that gets yeah, stuck no. to the side of the camera, and I'm like, dude, you just rob me for six grand. Don't try and tell me yeah, I need that. So exactly, that's I why think, I, I shoot the Lumix and all it, of my but. cameras. It works. There's a Wi-Fi button. You hit it. You run the app, and you're in your camera. You're in your camera yeah, right yeah, there. You know, yeah. that's the way it works. Yeah, it must be nice. But yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. But then again, I don't have your D4 and your, you know, all the stuff your D4 offers. So everything's yeah. a trade-off. Everything's yeah. a trade-off. That's the thing. And it's there's no one right answer for anyone. It's it's dependent on what you need to shoot and the right tool for your jobs. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll we'll link over to these articles. Uh, this story came to us from Nine to Five Toys. Uh, but we'll link over to the MD and and show the gallery and all this stuff. It's a pretty camera, but again, I just think like 6K, man. Uh, that's I get that Tesla thing where it's like, oh, I want a Tesla. No, you uh, said but it. But no, even Tesla's yeah. different. Tesla's yeah. different because you buy a Tesla, you're buying state of the art everything. You know, it's yeah, you're buying into the future. It's not like you know Ford comes out with a Model T and charges 175 <laughs> grand for it. You know, right. <laughs> But it's also like, uh, like you again, it's all personal preference, like you said, where if you're a car guy, right? Like some people say, oh, well, I love the Dodge Viper. Mm-hmm. And then other car guys will go, well, if you're going to go American and you're going to go with power, that's a way overpriced car. You might as well go with a Corvette, you know, or like a Z06 yeah. Corvette because you're spending mm-hmm. less money and getting more bang for your buck. But yeah. then again, it becomes, but it's not like the styling of a Viper. Well, then, okay, you're prioritizing other things differently than most people and do what you want you know yeah yeah and what do you, what are you shooting you said jose you're shooting the d4 right now mm-hmm. d4 the d4 and sony a7 mm-hmm. so it, speaking of you were saying the uh the funny gaffer tape thing and that's what i yeah. do too but the funny thing is the reason why i do it is one there's there's that on my main body and then my d3s has a different variation so i know just looking at them really quickly which one's which yeah, when but I yours is them. orange. Yours is, that's drawing attention. Yeah, mine is black. It's well, the whole remember, point is to like mine, to not draw attention. Mine draws attention because it's covered. And I used to use black, but then I just ran out of black gaffer tape. But oh, okay. I also shoot a lot of like um, car racing and stuff, so visibility uh-huh. is kind of big. Okay, well that makes sense. That right, makes total sense. and then yeah. also I've noticed a lot of people. Why I did it in the beginning too was. They were saying that the one, the weakest point on all these weather sealed bodies was that was that that body line right here. Oh. So that's why I covered it originally. Okay. I didn't really care okay. about the Nikon, but I was like, if that's the only vulnerability on this camera, I might as well not make it. That's the one thing yeah, that see, bricks if, my six. If I was to walk around, camera. if I was to walk around with like orange gaffer tape on my camera someplace. I bet you the comments, the questions I would get would be like, "Oh, is that a prototype of something? What <laughs> is that? You know, is that new? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. is it like like those secret prototype cars that they oh, make yeah, look they... ugly while they're road testing them." But they put like that really like the second you look at it, you're get you're like getting epilep like epileptic seizures. They put like, yeah. that crazy paint kind of wrap yeah. on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't know. The other the other reason I put tape on my cameras is to make them look less pretty. So mm-hmm. they look cheap and less desirable. You're, you're for less get and, yeah, less getting robbed. Yeah. 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 And it's psychological for me because it's like, you know, it's it's not 
It's not an object of like I have to coddle it. It is this yeah. is a tool I can throw it around. And, Same here. And That's beat why it up. mine's orange. It looks like a construction camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should be able to throw it around. And Martin, <laughs> you're shooting. What are you? What are you shooting again? I'm I'm shooting with two 5D SRs at the moment. Right. I okay. I used to when you were talking about the ones the the one D X earlier, Jose. I mean, I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I I remember many years ago. I. When the One DS was the One DS Mark II, I think it was, I, was yeah, like it was one, the yeah. flagship of Canon, yeah. and I I worked hard for a number of years to be able to save up to buy one of those cameras. And I, when I finally got it, I was thinking, okay, now this is it. The resolution's there, all of that. LCD and, and, this big, yeah, yeah, <laughs> You're right, little it was. Um, <laughs> and and then like a few weeks later, they brought out the Five D. The original yeah. 5D, I think it was, with the same yeah. megapixels, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, so that's just screwed me. Um, <laughs> but I, so, so I, I sort of, I was disappointed at the time. But then, I mean, uh, the main reason that I saved up for the 1DX was the weatherproofing, and mm-hmm. I, for a number of years, I, I had three One Series cameras. I had the 1D uh, S Mark II, the 1D uh, Mark IV, and the 1DX, mm-hmm. and. All of the time, it was it was for the weatherproofing, and you know those mm-hmm. cameras are, are like bricks. They they yeah. really are great cameras, but um, you know the when it came down to it, the the seven D at a third, sometimes a quarter of the price of the one DX, was almost as fast and mm-hmm. almost weatherproof. Not weatherproof, mm-hmm. but it was enough weatherproof. Yeah, it had so, like a magnesium alloy body. It was like, you know, the sims right. lighter. Like, yeah. and, and, so, and so I it, I bought the 7D Mark II and then a year a year later when the 5 ds came out, I bought my first one and within a week ordered the second because I knew I was never going to be able to go back to anything else. And I sold my 1DX to pay for partly, actually, no, it paid for, the 5DS, and so now I'm just shooting with two of those. I think that there's, there's the point there was going to be that there's a certain amount of status in the Canon One series bodies, yeah. um, but and and I I do love the the weatherproofing, but at the end of the day, if it um, if it comes down to to being able to make larger photos, mm-hmm. the the One D the One DX Mark II is apparently going to have better autofocus but i would i would say that some of the features some of the things that they built into the 5ds autofocus um actually make the the autofocus better than the 1dx and Mm -hmm, so you don't get the same frame rate but i was nailing focus in a split second on on eagles swooping down over a a high contrast sea and things like that you know so we're splitting hairs with all this stuff, though, because like we're you look at these cameras today versus cameras from like, I don't know, 10, <laughs> yeah. 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And and you look at the work that was being produced 10, 15, 20 years ago. There's not a whole lot of delta, you know, as some people like to say, but there's not, not a whole lot of space between those shots and the shots that are happening today. In a lot of ways, the shots from yesteryear mm. are superior right, more with, impressive. with inferior technology. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a like like Martin. You're like, yeah, this one I can nail the focus and the 900 you know focus points and all this right. stuff. It's like, I mean, you, you know, know yeah, no, it's funny. Like you just said it. Like uh, nowadays, people walk into my photo classes with a 500 hour camera that literally has the same high ISO performance as my D4, 
Mm. And that kind of makes me cringe. And then I'm like, <laughs> that's not the only, that's not the only thing that counts. But again, yeah. it's technology, yeah. you know, they come out yeah. a new body every six months. You know, yep. So. Yep. Yeah. You got to keep fueling that monster because, you know, those companies need to stay in business. So they had to come up with new things that you absolutely have. And, you know, in order for you to take good photos, of course, yeah. you need the next version because yeah. it has these image, five axis image stabilization <laughs> and, you know, it's ISO 7 million and all this stuff. You have to have that if you want to be a good photographer and shoot like <laughs> Martin and Jose. Come on. You know? yeah, yeah. But you know, the reality is you don't. And you could get by with a film camera if you have an artistic vision. You can right. get by with your with your phone if you want to, if you have an artistic vision yeah. and you're just executing that's, on that. That's the you one know. thing that impresses me. People who shoot with a phone, but like... It looks like really a DSLR, wrong. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they, yeah. oh, the attention to detail and the patience. I'm like, mm -mm. yeah. You, you I don't know, know if I you know what? That I've got to add that you know, although I totally agree with the statements and I, and and the idea behind all of that, there is still, of course, and and I'm just stating the obvious here, but the a, a crappy photographer is not going to make anything good with the with the top of the range uh, yeah. cameras yeah. and. A, a really good photographer is still going to make great work with a crappy camera. Yeah. Um, but yeah. there, there's, there's a crossover point where, you know, you, it, you, you do need a certain amount of the technology to, you know, like autofocus is going gonna, is gonna to get you more killer shots than, mm -hmm. you know, a good... I, I know people, I, I know a, a guy, an old gentleman here in Japan, used to be a, a winter sports photographer, um, shot the Olympics with... He actually took the first prototype of an autofocus camera from canon um Holy they gave crap. it to his boss they, they gave it to his boss and said test yeah. this at the next olympics for us and his boss was too old old school and said no i'm i'm not gonna do that yeah you shoot with this and and he gave it to the guy that wow. i know um and yeah. he was shooting with it at some olympics and, and he said at the time he said it was a, a total mess because we were used to what they would do was they would just focus at a certain point on the on the track where they knew the skier was going to be at a certain mm -hmm. angle and they would they would just get that shot um yeah. and of course the result is that they get the killer shot but that's all they get and i think the difference now is is that you know i can come back from a from a trip with with 500 pretty good shots of an eagle as opposed mm -hmm. to one or two uh, and yeah, it's argue, I, I it's think, argue. I, no, no, I totally agree. I think yeah, you said it, the only difference is the keeper rate. Like your keeper yeah, rate's yeah. better, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And the great thing is, it's really funny. The keeper rate's better, but the the like getting those shots is cheaper, right? It's not like film. The keeper rate should be better back then because it was so expensive to keep shooting mm -hmm. rolls and rolls yeah. and rolls. Because you had to be good. Back then, you had to be good. Yeah. <laughs> you had to understand your craft in order to get the shot. These yep. days, yeah, you still have to understand your craft yeah, or the craft, but not <laughs> not so much because the you know the force takes over and will will get the right shot for you. So, Jose, that said, um, and here's a point of question: Is the artisanship in photography these days? Because of the rapid and insane pace of innovation in the photography space, is the artisanship gone and going away? Because you could put it on auto and or portrait mode and make a fantastic portrait, whereas in yesteryear you needed skill. Right. I think I think like Martin said it. It's it's literally just you get more usable stuff. That's that's it. Mm -hmm. I mean because you have to remember, 
for the hundreds of years that cameras are around before the digital revolution in the last 15, right? Like it, it was, it was a trade. It wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, you had apprentice, you had like an apprentice who spent years under you learning the craft. You saved for years to get your own photo equipment because the only people that could afford it were working professionals. And then all of a sudden, within a matter of years, anyone can go out and, and, and buy a camera and be a photographer. And it's like the good and the bad, right? I mean, look at like uh, like podcasting, right? In the beginning, mm-hmm. it was like only the super uber nerds knew how to do it, and band- bandwidth was expensive, and all that kind of stuff. And then now, anyone can use their iPhone and make a podcast. Yeah. So it's kind of like yep. the barrier of entry gets lower. But I still think, even though you have a huge influx of people who maybe are not as serious or whatever, I think the 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 old standard holds true that you know it's like a good thing and a bad thing because. More people are suddenly doing photography. That's good. More people are suddenly into photography. That's good. But in the end, it doesn't matter because if you're worth your salt, you don't care if you're in a room full of five people or 50,000 people. If you still know what you're doing, you're going to, you're going to be noticed. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. still rise you're to the top. You're going right. to stick out. Yeah. Yeah. Martin, what about you, man? Is it, is, is the age of artisanship and photography behind us to only to be replaced by AI? And I think it's, I think it's up to the individual. You know, there's there's definitely the, there are always going to be people that are um, more conscious, more aware of of honing their craft and really taking it to a a, a different level. And there's always going. I mean, I've seen professionals that just sort of literally wave their camera around with the finger mashed down on the button and then select something later. And <laughs> and I I've also seen. I've seen professionals that work really hard at their craft and and are, you know, totally rocking it. And that's, yeah. I mean, I think it really depends. We, we all decide how we're going to shoot. Um, I, I prefer I prefer to know the craft and to, to be able to... That's the fun to, part. That seems like the... Like, for me, that's when I first started getting into photography. Exactly. It was like... It's like, oh man, I want to learn about light and you know, yeah. and you know, the different different qualities of light and composition. It seems mm. it sounds geeky, but it was fun. Because mm. you like it's like the only career where you could go out into the world to dinner or hanging out in the park and, and without a camera and still look around and be learning stuff. You're like, hey, that shadow is produced by a specular light source. Yeah. I think that to me, I mean, that was I, when I was first interviewed years ago, I, I remember answering a part of a question about why I got into photography or something like that. And, and to me, I mean, I'm, I'm an engineer. And the, the yeah. way I think, I'm an engineer. Um, but I've always had this sort of an artistic streak as well that I'd like, whether it's good or, you know, whether I'm actually good at it or not, I feel mm-hmm. as though there, there's a part of me that wants to make art and there's a part of me that wants to twiddle knobs and understand the, the science mm-hmm. behind it. And I think yeah. that with photography, it, it, it's like a, an amalgamation. I love that word, an amalgamation yeah. of the two. And, yeah. and Martin, by the way, just to interrupt you, this is, this is a family show, so it nicks the conversation about twiddling knobs and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I had to bring it down to the gutter whenever yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll be careful on that one. Try not to twiddle my knobs in public. <laughs> yeah, please don't. <laughs> Refrain from that. The Japanese government. <laughs> I was going to say, on that. They, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. 
This is great. This is a great show, guys. I, I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, diving into this. So, and Jose, you see you see how Twip goes, right? Yeah, this yeah, is what yeah. we do. But what well, yeah. I like what Martin said. What's interesting is I think the one thing that is very uh, uh, brings a lot of people together in terms of photography is just that you have the left brain people who are pure artists who could who could not tell you what the settings were in a photo they took. And then you have the engineers who just love literally reverse engineering how a photo was taken and and literally geeking out on every single tiny aspect of how a camera works or how light works. Yeah. And and it, that that's amazing yeah. because you, you have both and they both can exist in this space quite nicely, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I tell people all the time, like, I'm I'm a pretty technical photographer. You know, that's how I, I learned. Like, my first job was in a very high-end studio with, you know, with all 1D cameras and bronchial lighting and, and light meters and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. but I learned the same way you guys learned where I just, well, I mean, I, maybe I was self-taught. Like, I just literally, the, yeah. the playing with it, the, yeah. the, oh, let's see what happens here and what happens here and, and starting to suddenly think like a photographer and being able to not even, I think not even like, uh, know how something was shot looking at a cover or something like that but even just to me i tell people like when they learn suddenly something turns on in your brain that you think and see everything as a photographer to where i'm walking with someone through the city having a conversation i'll just stop move i'll just stop walking and look at something and they'll go what is it and they go look at that light like look yeah. at the way that light just hits that building, hits that window, and they're like, "What the hell are you talking about?" And I'm looking and going, "That was me." See? You don't see that? Like yeah. that's awesome, you know? And and you appreciate certain things more. Um, yeah. I think that's the best thing about photography. Once you start learning it, and I and I tell people all the time, it sounds really sad. I tell them, I go, "This time in your in your photographic career, when you're learning how to work a camera, and and suddenly things click, literally in your head, it's amazing." And, and honestly, I think as working photographers, we can attest that as years go by, you're always just trying to recapture that. Like yeah. that's it. Yeah, that's true. Between that's true. personal work, balancing personal work with paid work or, you know, personal projects or whatever, you're just trying to get back to that point where no, no expectations. Hey, the, the, the other cool, the other cool thing about photography is uh, a couple things. So the, the one cool thing that, that, that. I still don't understand to this day is how light works, right? I mean, I understand, I, I, I understand how it works and what it's supposed to do and how it behaves, but even even astrophysicists don't understand exactly how light <laughs> how light or gravity work, and and that's part of our career field. Photography means the recorder of light, so we're recording this magical thing that even the smartest people on the planet don't understand exactly how it operates. So that that's the one thing that keeps me going in this career. The other thing is it's doing photography is for me at least it's kind of an amalgamation of all these different things so like martin was saying there's the geeky part of it you know where you get the knobs and all this stuff and then then there's the you know the science of it you know which is straight up physics right that you're dealing with technology and then i like i like photographing or shooting people or photographing people sorry nsa uh but i like photographing people and there's the psychological aspect of how do you elicit the poses and the expressions right. and all that making and it all works together yeah mm-hmm. it all works together because you have to be competent with your tools and then you're shooting 
this model who may or may not be comfortable in her own skin yet. So you got to get the shot. And then there's the lights and how do they work and how should they positioned and the, be positioned in the quality of that light. Is it soft? Is it specular? Is it diffuse? You know, mm-hmm. how do I do all that stuff? And it's all in a split second. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then the cool thing about our hobby or hobby slash profession is you like at that end of it, you're you're a pro because you're thinking through all these different nuances. But as you recede back into amateur and beginner, you could still do that stuff. You know, you could, with the today's cameras, you can still do all that stuff. You just relinquish a certain amount of control of it to your camera, and then as you get better and better, you take more and more control over, and yeah. now you're there. I so. tell people all the time, like your your digital cameras are great. They're very capable pieces of technology. But like you just said, in the beginning, when you have it on auto, the camera works under the assumption that you're stupid. And then it literally will just show you certain things. You don't even know why it's doing it because it won't show you certain settings. And then the more you learn, the more you're like, oh, I can I can actually change that setting? Yeah, because mm-hmm. you're, yeah. when you're going yeah. from full auto to scene mode to, you know, aperture priority yeah. or shutter priority – Suddenly the camera's like, oh, you got this? All right, yeah, go ahead. You know, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the magic of all that is is even with these all these different scene modes and this and all these different bells and whistles, the camera is it's still doing it's like Taco Bell. You know, Taco Bell has like four ingredients, you know? <laughs> just they just mix them yeah, together. Different, different like types you go, of raccoon meat. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Sure. If you if you go into a Taco Bell and look at the menu and kind of blur your eyes, all you see is brown red yellow <laughs> and maybe some white for sour cream right that's it it is the same with photography but look, look at martin look at martin he's like taco yeah. bell oh, it's, 25 it's a, years a, in japan it's, taco it's a restaurant bell. chain here sorry <laughs> I, I it's a fast that. food chain um but you know with photography it's the same thing because it's you know f-stops shutter speed iso and different combinations of those to give you the look that you want whether it's a shallow depth of field for portraits or Whatever, it, yeah. and these scene modes are just giving you different items on the Taco Bell menu. You know what? The the ironic thing about all of all of this last part of the conversation is, is that one mm-hmm. of the best ways to learn that is to take away some of the technology that we have now. So you could just go out and buy the new Leica, and that would for, <laughs> and that would and that would force you. So what to, we're getting to, back to, to is buy yeah, the new Leica. It, it would yeah. it would force you to actually think through some of that stuff, or you could yeah. just buy a normal sort of cheap camera and just decide that you're not going to look at the LCD for a while and then you can right, still right. go back and look at it later if you f- decide that you yeah. you want to use the technology. I tell yep. people Alright like, Martin, yeah. Martin, you you know, I gotta call this out because you're, you we, before we started recording, you were telling us that you've been living in Japan for 25 years mm. or so and and we know that Japanese people tend to transpose their L's and R's and you just called the LCD an RCD. I just want to go on the record. <laughs> I thought I said really? LCD. You did. Yeah. The RCD. You yeah? Did. Oh, okay. That was a bit That's stupid. Awesome. <laughs> now, awesome. now, you're, now you're, you're a full-blown local man congrats yeah look yeah. at that you made well, it you made it Martin. and and we and of course we we are going to be buying a, a raika and not a laika <laughs> yeah it's a, a raika. raika yeah 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 and you're gonna take some pictures at lead robster cool. <laughs> all right <laughs> all right guys we're gonna take a quick break and uh talk about sony so sony is reportedly working on a smart contact lens that could let you take a photo by simply blinking your eyes. Here we go. 
I'd like to formally invite you to check out the brand new TWIP School. You've learned so much from the amazing TWIP hosts and guests over the years. Now, within the TWIP School, you can continue that learning and dive deeper on a variety of photographic and business topics. There are already several great courses to choose from in the school, and we will be adding new courses often. Right now, you can learn about fashion photography from Lucas Passmore, Final Cut Pro 10 for photographers, and time lapse with Lee Herbert, marketing for photographers with Zach Prez, and even time travel for photographers with yours truly. And to kick things off, you can check out the school today with a course that we've made available for free for a limited time only, and that's Five Habits of Highly Effective Photographers. It's an inspirational course designed to help you get more done and stay focused. So head over to the brand new TWIP school now at school.thisweekinphoto.com. That's school.thisweekinphoto.com. All right, guys, we're back. So Sony sounds like the, uh, you know, this is futuristic stuff. This is like Ghost Protocol. I was going to say Minority Iron Report. Man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Minority Report stuff. Where, and I granted, I think most of us have, are, have always wanted something like this where you could put, a, if you, especially if you, have, if you have to wear contact lenses already, wouldn't it be great to have a contact lens that could also do all this other stuff? And I think this is, this is like what Google, I think, with the Google Glass Google of Glass. 2036 would be, you yeah. know, where it's just a contact lens, a set of contact lenses you put in your eye. I don't know. Jose, what do you think? This is, you know, well, so basically say, it's a lens that that does camera type operations right. and feeds data into your head. With that said, the idea of having an Iron Man type HUD all the time, cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. But for now, saying it's just another Google Glass. Well, look how good Google Glass went. It didn't go right. very well, right? Well, that's because people could see it. Imagine yeah. no one could see it. And yeah. you could get data on people around you, and they wouldn't know you were getting data on them. Yeah, yeah, like like a Terminator you're, you're type on a date, thing. You're on a date with the with the with your date's Tinder profile hovering above her head, right? Yeah, <laughs> she's putting out spitting out statuses like this date sucks, and you're like, oh, yeah, and you're man, reading it, and you're good. reading it live. You're like, oh yeah, are you you're enjoying just, yourself? You just yeah, like it. I love it here. Just like it. <laughs> yeah, I see you. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I mean, would you do you do you want this, Jose? Is it is this a is this something that millennials feel like they need in their lives? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Like we talked about, I'm on the, like the tail end, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> You're still I'm, in there. It's binary. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still in there. Um, I think, I think like anything, I'm, I'm huge on like the sociology of a lot of things. So to me, it's like how this is going to play out in society is more interesting to me than owning it. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like how, like what we saw with Google Glass. All of a sudden, anyone who wore it. Everyone around them was on edge thinking they were taking pictures or, or recording them and people were freaking out. Or like you yeah. were suddenly some snob who was like, you know, like a Silicon Valley type. And that wasn't really the case. That wasn't at least what it was supposed I res- to I resemble be. that remark, by yeah, the way, exactly. the Silicon Valley type. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? So go jump in your Tesla, pull out your Leica, and go take a picture of something else. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, I mean, like, but at the same time, it it's interesting to see if that to me like if it takes hold and suddenly it becomes more accepted and and like you said if i could sit there and and just look out and see a beautiful sunset and not have to do anything but blink and then upload that photo somewhere that's cool but you know like i feel like there's a lot of time in between till we get to that point where it's it's no longer like you know big brother watching you and nsa's tapping in your uh, contact lens and 
You know what I mean? Like, there's people who literally yeah, I don't tape. Know. There's I, people. I, there's people who I like embrace. tape their, who tape their, uh, their their cameras on their computers. They think that you know the FBI is. That's what I do. Yeah, like see that. exactly. <laughs> Because they think the FBI is like turning on, just like recording. Them no, doing. it's not the FBI. I read several articles that say hackers can log in and turn on your webcam, yeah. and it's it's being done and has been done. Yeah. I mean, nests have been hacked, and people are looking at each other's house. Um, no, but no, I I hear you. But you know, the I don't know. I guess the the baby boomer in me looked at this, <laughs> and <laughs> I think, are you really? I think You're I close am, enough. Yeah. I mean, I think I am. I don't know what the windows are. I don't know. I'm not a millennial, that's for sure. No. Uh, but you know, I look at this and I say, um, like, with all this stuff, this inundating, inundating us all the time, all this data and all these different tools, social networks and all that. I and I get like, honestly, I, I, sorry, Apple, but I am starting to get annoyed by the notifications that come in on my Apple Watch because you're in the middle of something, you're concentrating and reading and into this thing, and then you know a new tweet or a new Trello post or a new Slack post or a new email, you know, it's like, I can never get deep, deep in deep, con- like thought, like okay, we used he, to. You so, can't right, so here's, here's the thing. You're always interrupted. And now I think of this thing and yeah. I'm like, Oh, now I can't even not look at something. Yeah. Yeah. Analog, analog. It does yeah. nothing. Right. So, I mean, you yeah, could argue I that you could argue. Sure. You can just take off your Apple watch for an hour. Yeah, you won't be yeah. bothered. Right, yeah, which I do all the time. Yeah. And sometimes it finds itself on the other side of the room. So, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, you know uh, Martin, what do you think? Is this something that you would wear? A futuristic contact lens that feeds data into your brain? Um, I'm not sure about the feeds data in the brain thing, but um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I think, you know, I mean, it's all, it's going to happen, all of this stuff. We, we resist. I think that we... You know, with the first thing that comes to mind is privacy, of course. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. if you can if you can just put this contact lens in and there's no way of knowing that you're even videoing something, then there's obviously huge privacy problems. But I think as the human race develops further over the next hundred years or so, I think privacy is going to become a thing of the past. I, I think yeah, it's yeah. it's gonna be all about everyone sees everything and and if if you need to stop something happening then it's more about what you do to actually stop people getting into your place and stealing stuff rather than stopping them using i mean using a web a webcam and things like that is it's all it's it can be done but it's not something that I'm going to worry about yeah. um, but it's like even in the streets you go out in the streets now everything's on on C, on CCTV mm-hmm. you know we we're a bit surveillance cameras have pretty much got everything covered so mm-hmm. the moment you're out of your house, every, there is no it's privacy free game. anymore. Yeah, it's free game. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we complain about that too. I mean, we complain about, oh, there's, especially in London, they say that's, that city is, is leads like, in terms wired. of having every square inch uh-huh. covered with CCD. And then we're like, oh, that's such an invasion of privacy, blah, 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 until something happens. Yeah, like, and then you know, a bomber really good that it was on CCTV. Yeah, 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 a terrorist attack or something, and now everyone wants that footage, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you can't have your cake and eat it, too. It's a I fine was looking line, at this, the Sony, sure. this, this Sony article, I'm thinking, okay, you know, A7s, which everyone loves. Jose, you have one, yeah. right? Great yeah. camera. Uh uh, battery life. <laughs> oh God, so, it sucks. You know, like okay, now you're gonna put Sony's track record for battery life on something that goes in your eye. You're gonna get like maybe five blinks before you gotta go change your contact lens. Like, what's going on? it's bad. Like, 
I bought it when a friend of mine worked for Sony. And I, quite honestly, that was the only reason I bought it was because I got like a crackhead deal. But yeah. because I did, I made sure to get the 3528, the Zeiss, so it wasn't cheap. I got mm-hmm. an extra battery and the charger because that camera, I don't know about now, it only came with a cord, which I hate. Yeah. I hate that. I think that's still. It's yeah, still like yeah, that, yeah. So I was like, I was like, even even like the Nikons and stuff, they come with a battery charger. So it's like, you know, I got the, um, you know, the wall charger and an extra battery. So I always have one going. But I mean, yeah. And, and so funny. So you mentioned that. So like, I mean, when I had when I had like a, a D300, literally the battery grip was two batteries. So I could mm. legit not pick up my camera for a month, pick it up and it still got juice. And then I laughed when I went to like the, you know, the D4 and the D3S where it's supposedly a a battery the size of two batteries but in reality it's the same it's the same exact kind of power just one battery so even those aren't as good as what i used to get out of just putting a vertical grip on another camera yeah yeah it's a that's that's an issue so you look at this thing i'm like okay unless they come up with some sort of revolutionary way to power it like it's being powered from your body somehow like btu you know, and, like body heat or something yeah, yeah yeah like yeah body heat or some kind of solar you know mm-hmm. you gotta stare at the sun for five minutes to get charged <laughs> try not to go blind or what are you doing charging yeah exactly <laughs> Looking up exactly uh, yeah. but martin you hit it you hit it right on the head man if you fast forward science fiction bears out this thing comes into existence and it actually works and they solve the battery issue and all that then it becomes privacy. The thing with Google Glass was people wearing Google Glass. You could see them, and you know the whole glass hole yeah, uh, <laughs> moniker popped that. up. That was yeah, good. that came out, and then you know people in the restrooms wearing their Google Glass. It's like you know Stop. all that stuff happened. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. It was a, that was a whole thing, and of course that was the the beginning of the end for that that being a viable take over the world kind of technology. If you miniaturize that and put it inside. I would even argue like your glasses or my glasses, Martin, if you put it in glasses that don't look like glass mm. hole type glasses, <laughs> it becomes more viable. If no mm. one knows like that little that that little tiny screw you got there. Yeah, like the, yeah, that exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. yeah, that's a camera, you know, and I could see, you know, a readout in uh, in like, you know, a heads up display over your head. What's going on if I want that would be interesting. But to make me wear something that looks like I'm wearing something mm. is, is right. defeating the purpose. And then this takes it to the next level. So now I think there was this, uh, what was it? Black mirror. Did you guys ever see that, that show? Um, Google it. I think it's on Netflix. It's called black mirror. It's called black mirror. It's a science fiction show where people had these kinds of glasses. Mm. And not only did they have these kinds of contact lenses, rather they recorded everything they saw. And they could sit back later and review their day mm-hmm. and zoom in on certain areas. Mm-hmm. Like I could be having a conversation with you, Martin, and then later I could review the conversation and zoom in on your face to see your micro expressions mm-hmm. to see, oh, he was lying right there. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you said, then, so, it, then you go into a whole thing about people with way too much time on their hands. And I don't think technology is going to matter. There's going to be a person who's going to find a way, mm-hmm. you know, to exploit that kind of stuff no matter mm. how yeah i don't know but yeah. it it reminds me you guys ever seen the movie her yo yeah yeah with joaquin phoenix right yeah like that like that i could see where we become so attached where suddenly like you said we're hyper connected but we're disconnected all that 
to the point where like people just walk around talking to their operating system and having like full blown relationships with them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and just like in today's world, your operating system will likely cheat on you, just like it did in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Where they all I, I hate to ruin it if anyone hasn't watched it. They all collectively leave. It's very strange. It's kind of like a it walkout, a good movie, like though. a union thing, but it's weird. Yeah. It was a good movie. Hey, hey, good you movie. know, let let me tell this stupid joke. All right, and I'll I'll never do it again. Well, I might do, but so Go for it. so Go we for were it. we were talking about like embedded devices, right? There's mm-hmm. these three guys sitting at a bar, and and one of them says, um, it, it's, they're sitting there, and all of a sudden his hand starts buzzing, and and he says, "What's that?" And he, he says, "Oh, I've had a phone embedded into my fingers," and he starts to talk into his. He's got the the receiver in in here, you know, and, and he's talking in that. And then the the next next moment, the guy in the middle, it, there's he starts making a buzzing sound, and and he's like, "Oh, hello!" He has a quick conversation. So yeah, I've had it. I've had a phone built into my vocal cords and my ears. <laughs> and then the next guy on the end sitting there, and he says, <laughs> and he says, "What's that?" He says, "Oh, excuse me, gentlemen, I've just received a fax." <laughs> <laughs> You Sorry laugh. about that. <laughs> you laugh, but that is where the world is going, my friend. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. that shows my age because no one uses facts anymore, anyway. So it's like exactly, uh, yeah. exactly. I know. I don't know. You're gonna, Jose. You're gonna be hosting a show, uh, and on your show, you're gonna have a triennial. <laughs> triennial. <laughs> and he's gonna. I'm, I'm, he's I'm gonna to be like what? So they call the. It's like our kids. We have a a, a ten year old son and a nine year old daughter, and I, what do they call them? Uh, Centennials or something like that. Centennials Uh, because they were born right after the turn of the century or something like that. And I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I guess I get that. Well, those kids are sixteen now. I mean, look at it. It's it's like they're already pretty much adults. Yeah, Mm -hmm. born this millennium. Crazy, crazy. All right, guys, we are, jeez, I was trying to get to story three again, and we just, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we've been oh, trying wow. to get to this DJI story for two weeks already. Bruce is going to kill me for not getting to it, um, but it looks we're cool. going to skip it. It All is, right. we're going to skip it. This is a great story. I mean, it's about, so I'll tease this. I'll foreshadow this for next week, mm-hmm. and Bruce will make this story number one I was about to say, for next I think week. we should move it up in the, uh, in the queue. We'll move it up. We'll move it up to story number one. So a couple of weeks ago, NAB, at NAB DJI, showed up a couple of new products. One of them is the most powerful th- drone that they've made to date. It's called the Matrix 600, and a new aerial gimbal called the Ronin MX. It's just a big octocopter that is just... Amazing. It's basically a Batmobile tumbler in a drone form. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) And this thing will this thing will carry obviously a DSLR, but it will also carry a black magic camera, a Canon, a Panasonic, a red Sony Nikon, and it can fly for fifteen minutes with a thirteen point two pound payload which wow. is doesn't sound like a lot but that's heavy and yeah. that's a long time especially if you sketch out your shot first you don't really need 13 minutes yeah. or uh, 15 minutes or you figure it's like it can actually make bridges that soldiers can cross over <laughs> you know i wouldn't be surprised honestly yeah yeah these the drone industry is just it, it never ceases to amaze me all this cool stuff coming out and we've only seen we've only just begun i was gonna say do you really think that that's where amazon's going in terms of delivery no no, no. No, because if they do, the radius would have to be within, what, 20 minutes of the Amazon Fulfillment Center, or actually 10 minutes or less, right? Because most drones only have like a 20, 25-minute yeah, maybe, uh, maybe flight time. Right, but maybe that's what they improve upon. 
Yeah, but so, I mean, it's a, it's a size weight thing. So you get bigger, you make a more dangerous thing that's flying around with these blades, you know. And so, at some point, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and then you fly into bad neighborhoods, and they, people start ordering these drones so they can steal the drone. Ooh, you know? that's <laughs> a good call. <laughs> They would never I'm like, you know, yeah. hey, I'm going to order a drone. That yeah. drone is mine. <laughs> like, I don't know what happened to it. Mm. I don't know. You know. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's it's an interesting concept, but I doubt. I'm happy to eat my words, but I doubt yeah. Amazon's drone payload program will fly. Yeah. I mean, literally. they're getting there because they're like now if in Baltimore, in Maryland, we have a f- fulfillment center. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if you live in the city, you can do like... Like one day, like not even prime. Yeah. It's like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one here too. Same okay. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they deliver on Sundays too. Nice. It's, it's crazy. You know, it there's a, there's a golf course here in Japan that has just started doing delivery to the hot to the tees via drones. They they they've they've no started way. they've started with a I think they're doing a one month or a three month um, evaluation period. But you can you can on your phone. You can order like an, an extra box of balls or a bag of teas, or I think you can even order order drinks and things. And it and it it will fly it from the clubhouse to the hole, and then you can just sit and wait. <laughs> and That's crazy. Yeah, I don't actually know, that is that. crazy. That's I don't fun. know if I yeah, want see, a Long Island iced tea on a on a drone. <laughs> yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, I want to see the drone bring a drink out there without spilling. Yeah, yeah. That'd be yeah. Interesting. yeah. Uh, yeah that's interesting because that brings up all kinds of things. Can you imagine? Like being in Mexico or in the Caribbean or something, and you're out on your little private cabana, and you know you don't want to be disturbed, but you you're you know you need a, a refresh of your martini, your Grey Goose mm. martini, mm. extra dirty, and you're mm. like, hey, you know, hit yeah. a button and it comes out, drops it off. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, but you better hope you better hope that drone specifically doesn't have a, a gimbal with a little camera attached to it, because you know exactly. then the whole privacy thing comes into play. <laughs> exactly. Hey, double-edged sword, my friend. If you mm-hmm. want the martini, you got to take the breach of privacy. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, let's jump into the picks of the week. Uh, this is a segment where you guys can recommend anything to the TWIP audience as long as, long as it's somehow related to the topic of photography. Jose Rosado, the angry millennial. <laughs> I'm going to let you go first. This is your first time on TWIP proper. What's your pick of the week? So my pick of the week, because I'm an idiot and didn't really know what pick of the week was, uh, <laughs> is, I'll be honest, anyone who's who's known or, or, or been on long on the journey for the Angry Millennial um, would see that I've been so blessed when I started my podcast to be able to sit and speak with amazing people. You know, Jeremy Cowart, Chase Jarvis, I mean, the list goes on, Colin Smith, who who've all done really awesome things. And quite honestly, it is all because I started a podcast. So I have a link on there for an article I wrote in F-Stoppers a while ago that is uh, five reasons every business should have a podcast. And I wholeheartedly believe that. I mean, it's 2016, yet a lot of billion and multi-million dollar companies still market like it's the year 1996, dumping tons of money into commercials nobody watches anymore, direct mail nobody looks at, they rip up. But but again, again, they do that because a lot of people operate under the guise of it's the way things were always done. Um, and I tell people podcasts are 10 years old. They're not exactly brand new, um, but it's still now the like we said, the barrier of entry is so low that anyone can get into it for literally like 50 bucks if you wanted, you know, yeah, that's very true. And yeah. um, and it makes it all the more reason, you know, because ha- have a vehicle to talk about your brand, have a vehicle to 
be able to never pay for a conference ever again, you know, going as mm -hmm. press mm -hmm. and get access yeah. to all these amazing people. You know, it, it's well worth it. Yeah, no, that's a really good pick. And I 100% I agree with that, especially from the standpoint of it opening doors mm -hmm. to you that wouldn't or ordinarily be opened to How you. we met. Uh, yeah, exactly. We exactly. Met, and then on the, on, on the topic. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And on, on the topic of um, like corporations not getting it, you got to think about these corporations where they're they move slowly because they can't move any right. faster than yeah. what they're moving. And they're like, dude, we you know, first it was this blogging thing. We had to have a blog. <laughs> Or no, first it was a website thing. We had to have a website, so we finally got our website. Now we have to have a blog. Right. And now all these social media networks, we have to be on social media, we're not relevant. And now you're telling me podcast. Yeah. I have to have a podcast. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's yeah. now, that's now the conversation right. that's happening in this company. Out. Right, right, right. They're yeah, like, now they're freaking out again. They're like, we just yeah. got our site mo mobile optimized. <laughs> it's like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> My God. The iPhone's exactly. been out for almost ten years. Good job. Uh yeah, yeah, but it's it's good. That means there's a market. There's a market for this stuff. Um, yeah, you know, like you said, yeah, podcasting has been around for a while. This is this is episode 464. That's sick, this, dude. Do you have any, Do you have anything yeah. that you're gonna do for like 500? I feel like it's I gotta be something. I big. do. I have something gigantic and surprising planned for 500. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be. Uh, yeah, I can't talk too much about That's it. Fine. But yeah, it's gonna it's gonna shake up the podcasting world. Let's just say Ooh, that. Whoa. Okay. All right. Shake it up. Shake so it I up. can't wait it's, to see Martin because it looks pretty cool. I have no idea <laughs> what it is. Martin's what? Martin's podcast? No, Martin's pick. Martin's. Uh, pick <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Speaking. Oh no, but speaking of podcasts. Yeah. Martin's show is older than Twit. Just so that you wow. just just this... for if you count the the rings on the tree, Martin's show. <laughs> Martin's show is older, is older than this one, right, Martin? I'll be releasing episode 522 this week. So. Look at that. Wow. And I'm a that. day late. I'm a day late because I've been messing around with the music for that video. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm slipping. So, but. so Martin, I got to ask you this. What yeah. was it like? Kind of like I still have a 256 megabyte CF card somewhere, which <laughs> makes me laugh. But what was it like running a podcast and having to pay like a thousand dollars a month for bandwidth? <laughs> I, you know, I, I never did it. I, I, I found cheap ways to do the bandwidth thing. Now mm -hmm. I use Libsyn and they're, yeah. you know, they're great. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. But, um, I, the biggest thing for me was back then there were, there were no plugins. WordPress wasn't that yeah. impressive. There were no plugins, so I ended up having to, you know, again the geek in me. I ended up having to go in using and like hand code uh, everything, and, and, right? And hand code everything. I, I and, yeah. and even today, when I release a podcast, I still access a page. I've ported it to WordPress, mm -hmm. but I have pages in WordPress that I go into to enter the details for the um, for the episode, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. I publish it and I save it in a database. <coughs> Excuse me, I save it in a database. And it's all my own back end because I had to build it ten years ago because right. there was nothing yeah. there, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, but it, it's yeah. it was fun. It was good times, and you know, and, and as you were saying earlier, Jose, you know, it's opened mm -hmm. so many doors. I'm sitting here now on a weekday in Japan, um, uh, and I'm paying my bills through photography and photography related work because of the podcast. You yeah. know, so no, I believe it. I believe yeah. it. I mean, yeah, like. And the people don't get that. Like people go, "Oh, well, can you make money on it?" And it's like, well, it's one of two things: a is the quality good enough, and are you consistent enough? Because like most things in life, mm. 
It's going to take a, a little bit of time to get good enough to be able to get paid for anything you do, whether it's mm. photography or, mm. or podcasting. But it it definitely is scary to say, not scary, it's fun to say that you can do something, you know, in the comfort of your home in your pajamas and, and get money and get paid, you mm. know, for a lot That's of people true. Who, who get dressed up and drive two hours each way to, to a job they hate just because they need the money. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. And the other, like, you, I think you hit it right on the head, the magic word um, with this stuff is consistency. Oh, yeah. 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 Because a lot of people, uh, unfortunately, in the podcasting space, and you can go look on you on iTunes and the podcasting directory and see mountains of podcasts that have been started, you know, five, four, three, two, what, one year ago with one or two episodes in there because someone had a wild hair that they wanted to start a podcast. It's going to be amazing. And they get all wound up and they do it and they realize, that, oh, geez, this is a lot of work. You know, you know? what's sad? I looked it up. Yeah. And if you literally, most podcasts don't go past episode five. So when I do consulting work, I tell people, if you go between five to 10 episodes, like, like budget that out and just put those in the can and if you get to episode 10 you're literally in like the top 15 20% of iTunes just on right. that metric alone isn't that totally. crazy yeah totally totally yeah and then if you keep it up you'll be like old g martin bailey over here. <laughs> so martin <laughs> you're rocking it. Was it martin like... has a gold cane with a with a, a microphone on it you know and a cape <laughs> So Martin is like were you like what 07 08 06 what like from the, from it was, the beginning uh, beginning September 2005. Um, Dang. So I I was the third photography podcast ever in, in iTunes. Um, Holy so, crap! Who were the first yeah. two? I don't even know. So before tips, me, tips from the top floor, right? Yeah, tips there. from the top floor. From the top floor, Chris Marquardt's show was was one, and the other was uh, Brooks Jensen's Lens Work. Um, oh right, yeah. Brooks Brooks Jensen still releases podcasts occasionally now as well. Um, and they, they were both, you know, and I, I li- literally, I, I respect both of those shows. Um, uh, I listened to them and, I, and I'm thinking, hmm, I can do this. So, mm-hmm. right. so yeah. two days later, I'd got a back end coded and three days later, I was recording the first episode. It was crap. Um, I, had to, I had to re-record it two or three times because I didn't have the gear. Um, but, you know, it, it's, and, and as, as you've said a, a number of times, the the biggest key to success is well, obviously, the quality of the audio and the quality of the production is important. But mm-hmm. doing it every week, it, yeah. it, you know, yeah. I think I think if you're going to do a podcast, it has to be at least once a week. Um, yeah. Some people tried less, but yeah, you need it to do it at like least you said, once a week. It doesn't work not only for your audience but for you. If right. you do it once a month, and then you have yeah. one month where you're like, eh, who cares if I miss it? You know, no one's really... <laughs> right. You know, and it's it like, happens. Right. It happens. And then, and yeah. then you look yeah. at people like John Lee Dumas, who do a daily one, mm. you know, yeah. and you go... Don't get me started on that one. Yeah, you go <laughs> respect because that's so much work. Yeah. But you know what? That dude, that's a that lot dude of work. has a multi-million dollar podcast. Like, mm. And you know why he does? Part of why he does, aside from being, you know talented and and really good on the mic is that he is a consistent Mm -hmm. and and b he keeps those things short and engaging but c he built a back-end machine that that he's able to build these so like with twip like we were talking offline jose a while back you know with twip i don't edit the show i don't put Mm. the ads in i don't you know the bruce clark does the show notes and you know, there's a bunch of people that that make Twip happen. If those folks weren't there, this show would have been dead years ago. Yeah, no, literally. I mean, you said it. It's it's definitely like 
that's where I'm at. So where you guys have been doing for a long time, I'm still in the the dirt phase where I'm touching dirt with my hands every day, which mm-hmm. is fine because to me it's like, but I, I mean, like me and Frederick were talking about, I'm at the point now where I know I'm going to become the single point of failure for the show. Yeah. And that's not yeah. cool, you know? So yeah. if you want to scale, it's like already, like we just switched this week. We just switched this week to a three day a week format. And it's, <laughs> see the grays they're coming, <laughs> coming i was gonna say yeah you're like this week you put a, a, some extra weight on the barbells then oh <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah so so we'll see i mean i, I definitely know because now the show's starting to make some money it's it's not to the point where it's actually making profit but it's making money so it's like all right you know cool like but again that's why it, it, it's to me it's easy because i'm doing everything like my girlfriend helps produce mm-hmm. it um and I, you know occasionally i have a co-host as well but it's, you know, I do all the editing, I do all the blog post writing, you know, making all the stuff. So it's, you know, for me, it's like I'm keeping costs down. But at the same time, I'm realizing that if I want to start a couple more shows, it's going to have to be a more of a production just for the sake yeah, of keeping, gotta, keeping it a, right, keeping it afloat. Got to build, you got to build a machine um, in order to keep it going beyond just kind of a, a hobbyist kind of operation. If you want to grow it beyond that, it, it you have to put in processes and, and bring people that are smarter than you mm-hmm. on on their tasks in a place like I feel like I'm pretty good at doing this and and hosting the show Suzanne is a master editor and makes us sound really good <laughs> you know it takes out all our uhs and, and it say, makes us sound like we're, these we actually have are since so Bruce a tip to the hat of, of you sir because when I when Suzanne sent me these she sent me like a last week's one to look over and I was like, Oh, yeah. I don't do nearly all this. I'm like, Oh, this mm-hmm. is great. And I usually put my like an Evernote on a Google doc. Yeah. I don't know, but still it's, yeah, it, it definitely, you can yeah. see a, a, a stark difference between <laughs> your back end yeah. and mine. It is. I mean, but this is, I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. this is 464 episodes yeah. of evolution. Yeah, exactly. Right? That's true. <laughs> I'm at like, let's see yeah. in the can. I'm like in the eighties. Yeah. yeah so. so I mean you're you're barely crawling out of the ocean onto dry land right now. So we're <laughs> still a single cell organism. You still have scales, man. Yeah, Come I'm, on. I'm an amoeba. <laughs> but you see where it's going. Though. Exactly. So no, yeah, yeah. Good. No, believe me. I, I I respect you guys a lot because that was my thing was like I sat here and said, Well, how long could I do it? I don't know. Let's do it until it stops becoming fun. And and already we're at like almost at a, episode hundred. And now yeah. I'm like, I'm just getting started. You know, I, I could definitely, because like you said, it's it's one of those things where I think that for a lot of people who've done it for a long time, they say, if you're consistent, the magic number is six months to a year. If mm-hmm. you're consistent at six months to a year, you will start getting an inkling on whether or not it's sustainable or you can keep going. And yeah. for for me, that's I've been noticing exactly that. Like at, at about the six month mark, I was like, all right, this is going good. Like I, I can, all right, let's keep going, you know? And, and, uh, and it's, yeah, just keep building on it and building on it and, and realizing that like everything we do that's remotely creative, um, you have to suspend a little bit of the expectations, like be hard on yourself. Sure. Have aspirations and goals. Sure. But if you're sitting there just looking at the, the, you know, numbers with a microscope, you're just gonna drive yourself crazy. Yeah, yeah, you will. That's like you know, back in the dot com boom when everyone was 
you know, writing the reload key on their E-Trade accounts, you know, <laughs> you can't, you can't do it. You'll drive yourself crazy, right. you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, but Martin, you, like on the podcasting, before we get to your pick of the week, mm. on the podcasting thing, one of the keys to success, like Jose was saying, is consistency. And for me, I'm able to sustain that consistency because it's almost like working out, right? Every Monday at 6 p.m., you know, I'm sitting in this chair and doing this for an hour, and it's not, be, it's not a... For me, it's not a chore. It's like I get some kind of weird podcasting endorphins from doing the show, you know, that I miss if I don't do the yeah. show. Mm. Do you find the same thing? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm I'm still I'm still a one man band, but my whole company is a one man band. So when I'm not podcasting, I'm I'm the accountant. Well, not the accountant. I'm the guy that prepares the accounts for a real accountant. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm the marketer. I'm the photographer. I'm everything. Um, yeah. So, but for me, what that means is, is that I put Mondays aside. If I've got nothing planned by Sunday evening, it doesn't matter because on Monday morning I sit down and I will start to prepare an episode. And by Monday yeah. evening, it's in the it's in the feed. Normally, yeah. and it's an ironic th- week to do that because I've been trying to put out this slideshow and I wanted to get it finished yesterday, and I'm not happy with the music, so it's still sitting on my hard drive, and I don't have a podcast in the feed yet. So. I either I either get that sorted today and put it in the feed, or I'm you know I'm going to be a couple of days late. But um, yeah, but see that's that single point of failure that Jose was talking about. Well, see? the thing is, is it's sometimes I, you know, if I normally if I do a, a podcast that I know is going to take a while, I give it three or four days and I prepare it the week before. And mm-hmm. I did that. I started doing the, preparing this this slideshow last Wednesday, and it's still not done. So, so, wow. so the other thing, I mean, I'm going to talk about this is my, my pick of the week, um, is actually part of the, part of the process. It's not part of the problem. It's it's, I, I've started using the new version of Boink software's Photo Magico. So, Oh, all right. Well, we'll jump into that and tell us about your pick of the week. So, so that's, I mean, that is, that's my pick, pick of the week. Um, I, yeah. I've been using Photo Magico on and off over the years. Um, I think since version three, I, I originally bought the latest version fully supports 4K. Um, I think they've had it since wow. 4.5, but version 5, I can output it. It's a bit finicky, but if you get the settings right, you can um, easily output a 4K video. I previewed the slideshow on a, on my, I think it's like a 56-inch or 60-something-inch 4K TV last night, and the video quality is amazing. Um, so I wanted to give a shout-out for... The people at Boink Software, Photo Magico Five, it's stable, um, working great, and it's got a lot. It's not quite as much um, control as you might have if you do this totally in, say, Premiere, you know, Adobe's Premiere Pro. But mm-hmm. if you if you don't mind giving up just a little bit of that control, it's got enough control to still do a really really nice slideshow. Um, it's got rolling credits for the end. It's got pretty much everything you need. So um, good work on that for the you know the folks at Boink Software. Photomagic 05 Pro is is a winner in my books. Nice. Man, I'm trying to see like oh they've got a nice little slideshow in here. Let's take a look. Um, and if you're listening to this or you just listen to the audio, you can um, I'm sorry come to the website and check it out. I'm going to turn this audio down. So, yeah, so these guys have been around for a while. I think I was, Martin, I was introduced to Photo Magico, or at least the product, from Derek Story. Derek Story talks about them all the time. And every time I saw these guys, I was always like, yeah, that's cool, but 
why do I need a standalone application when I have, like you said, I have Keynote, I have Adobe Premiere, I have Final Cut Pro, I've got all these tools that I can I can do slideshows in in my sleep. Why would I need something purpose built? Then I tried it because Derek was recommended. I'm like, okay, if Derek recommends it, let me try it. And I'm like, okay, now I understand what happens when you focus energy on something, on a single thing, and you do it better than anybody else. And that's what these guys did. They're like, okay, how do we make slideshows that crush it, you know, and give and make them as easy as possible to create? So, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's good. I like it. It reminds me of like the only thing I remember similar was when I first started and I worked at that studio, we used Animoto to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like the slideshows for the client presentations of the final uh, edited images. Mm. But but I'll, this, is def- this is really cool. I'll definitely look into this because it's pretty, pretty neat. Mm. And like you said, it, it's it, it's funny. Like, um, like I used to have you know, back in the day, sites that you had a hard code and, and mm. you sit there and say, okay, you can have a lot of control, but at the same time, now you have, you know, CMS style websites like, like Squarespace or 22 slides where you sit there and say, I'll gladly give up some of that to have something that just is easier to manage, you know what I mean? Or is easier yeah. to update or whatever. And, and I think we all agree to that. I mean, you, you have a, a respect to the fact that, you know, how to fix it when it breaks, but beyond that, it's like you kind of know enough that you don't want to be bothered with it anymore. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're looking at these slides. These slides are really cool, and they have music in here. Yeah. That yeah. was that was one of the things. And and a lot of people are saying, you know, hey, I have Lightroom. Lightroom has a slideshow module, but it's it's nowhere near yeah. this level of mm. power. It's like. You know, this is like sit down restaurant versus drive through. Right? And you said it. You said it. It's like on Lightroom, it's literally a feature of a bigger tool. But when you have a, a company that literally is just like their entire, you know, R and D and their dev team is just working on this one thing, it's going to be a little bit better, or, yeah. or a lot better. Yeah. You know, than something that just it's a you know it's a it's a, a feature of it. You know. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good, Martin. That was a good pick of the week, man. Awesome. Yeah, good. good stuff. Look at that. And how much? How much is this thing? I'm trying to. I think it's, it's only uh, like it's like a hundred bucks, seventy bucks, or something for um, an upgrade. I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. So no, it's a uh, Photo Magico Five. It looks like it's forty nine, so fifty bucks. That's um, that. And you need photo, the pro. And pro is pro is a hundred. What do they give? What do you get in the pro? Um, oh, here's here's a grid. Okay. Yeah, the pro is a lot bad. more. hundred bucks for anything nowadays. Right. It's like, right. You know what I mean? It's like nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're gonna yeah, if you're you gonna this? get it, go for the pro. The the um, I mean, even if you start with the light, you're gonna pay the same amount as you pay double what you would pay for the light version for the pro anyway. Um, it's mm-hmm. in my opinion, it's just best to go straight for the pro because it gives you all of the features and you don't have to mess around working around limitations. Yeah, yeah there's, absolutely. A, there's a lot of boxes ticked on the right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. On yeah. The left. And granted, you know, marketing people are always going to do that. Yeah, but, but still, that's looking like at these, this, this is huge. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make it for a hundred bucks. Yeah. you know, for something this powerful, why, why cheat yourself? Yeah. You know, getting something. I mean, the standalone for, you know, player chapters, narration mm-hmm. track. I mean, why would you not mm-hmm. want all of that timeline? Right. Re- yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got to have that if you're going to get this. Cool. And Martin, you've used this obviously, right? So you're been, you're happy with it? Yeah, I've been happy with it. I, I I've got to be I've got to be honest. I think it was three or four when I first upgraded. It was flaky as hell, and I and it was crashing all of the time. And then they released something that made it more stable. You had to have a a separate bit of software running on the on the Mac, 
Um, that's all gone now, I'm, I'm a, I believe. Um, but it's been stable as anything. It's, it's, it's not crashed on me. I've been using it pretty heavily over the last week, and it's not crashed once. So good work. Very cool. Nice. Mm. Very cool. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna download that tonight. Thank you, Martin. You're welcome. It better be as good as you say, or we're coming after you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm coming, man. I'm coming for yeah. you. You'd be, right, well, well, be welcome. Yeah, all right. I have a I have a quick pick. Um, I just I was in Canada for a couple of days. I just got back yesterday or last night, and my pick is kind of weird. My pick is a city. So Edmonton, Canada. Oh, that's where Renee's Edmonton, from, right? Yeah, yeah. Edmonton, Canada. Bruce Clark, who writes our show notes. I had dinner with he and Renee Robin. Oh, They're up there. Cool. Yeah, it is. Edmonton is, I think, a a hidden jewel of Canada because it is it's it, it, it's hard to explain because when I got there, I had nothing. I had, I had no basis of kind of comparison for it. And this was my first time in Canada, mm. too. So I'm like, I don't know. Are Canadians Canadians nice? Do they hate Americans? <laughs> or you know, whatever. So I get up there. Everyone was overwhelmingly nice. Yeah, it's, you it's know, there was some weird how nice they are. It, it, it was. It was. <laughs> However, there was there was some at the first meal that we had. There were some anti-Trump comments that were coming from the table next to us. Yeah. Which, granted, we all make those too. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they just so. assume though. Like when I used to travel, I went to Spain when I was in college, and it was around W. Bush's tenure. So it was like, like you said. They automatically knew you from the states. They automatically were like, "Oh, you're a, you're a, you voted for Bush, didn't you?" I'm like, "What? what? Mm-hmm. Like, where where is that even coming from?" Like, yeah. But yeah. yeah, yeah, we had some really interesting conversations because it was like, you know, there's all this like Americans, this Americans, we love America, but we don't like this thing. And I was like, "Yeah, that's a nice iPhone you have there." And <laughs> 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 hey, when you driving a Ford, oh, that's a nice Ford you're driving. Yeah, that you, that you paid fifty thousand dollars for because they taxed exactly. the crap out of it in Canada. Exactly. But it was interesting. Uh, the hotel I was staying in was a, a place where a lot of the refugees from the Fort McMurray fire mm. were were at because Fort McMurray, if you're not familiar with it, it's a it's a it's a, a city in in uh, Canada that just for whatever reasons was on fire, like an unprecedented fire of the century displacing. I think it was 80,000 people or so. Wow. The entire place got evacuated and there's, you know, Canadians going everywhere. And it was a it was a good it was a good exercise in how a country comes together to help part of their people that are in need, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, even my hotel, like, everywhere you went in the city, I was taking pictures, even coffee shops were saying, you know, Fort McMurray, you know, visitors, coffee's on us, oh, you know, wow, things like that, neat. all yeah, over the place. The hotel cool. had beds set out and water and, you know, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And it was like, wow, I wonder if this would have happened in my country. Probably, <laughs> but maybe in some yeah, regions, yeah. maybe not, you know. I mean, it was, you look at, like, it, Hurricane Katrina and 9-11, that kind of stuff, I mean... Yeah, yeah, don't. Yeah, that came up the Katrina thing. Let's let talk about that. <laughs> so that was that didn't go so well for our country. You know? Well, at least on the government side, but I you know more, more yeah, other people yeah, on the government there side were very accommodating. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the citizens always pull together. It seems like in this country, yeah. it's the government that that uh, we got. <laughs> I think that's the same for most countries. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it was good. So my pick of the week is Edmonton, Canada, and uh, Saint Albert. So oh, I'll leave you guys with this thing. So night before last, I, I flew back yesterday, yesterday morning or yesterday afternoon. I flew back the night before last, my last night there. The uh, aurora borealis came out. Mm. Wow! 
And I was like, I mean, this is my first time in Canada. And they're like, yeah, it normally doesn't come out this time of year. And oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know, we, we exit, we're looking outside, and I look up, and it's like this huge screensaver in the sky. Yeah, it's like hard to get your brain. I mean, you know, I know what the Aurora Borealis is, you know, from a, 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 you know, a scientific standpoint. And I'm like... Okay, yeah. So yeah, we have a we have a magnetic field, and the charge particles are coming in. But then you look at it, and it's like that's just art. Yeah, you know? it's say, beautiful you, art no, undulating. Words, yeah, yeah. You just stand there, and it's like it's huge. And you're like, you, you can you can't make anything like that. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. It was amazing. So that was that was my last one of the one of my last experiences with Edmonton was to see the Aurora that's Borealis. That's amazing. So. Like you said, if if yeah. that's your experience in Canada, you did an amazing job. I didn't have that cool yeah. of an experience a few times I went up there, but yeah, I mean, like my girlfriend's a big space nerd and yeah. I, I'm like, eh, right? So then I came across this, I don't know what it was, like some sort of satellite that has a crazy camera on it that caught a, a star going supernova and collapsing. Wow. And okay. it was the same thing. I was watching going, that's pretty cool. Like, you yeah. know, like... Yeah, I'm a space nerd too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, you look at that and you, again, you could tell me exactly why it did what it did you know, imploding on itself, all that stuff. But when you watch it, you're just like, you're at a loss of words. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's when science meets art, you know, kind of thing where that's it's right. just like, that's, you got to respect it. Yeah. And the depressing thing about that, that supernova <clears throat> is that, uh, you know, that probably happened a couple hundred million years ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. So <laughs> we're just, we're just getting it now. <laughs> you just, yeah. You're watching, you're watching the delayed reaction of that because light travels so slow. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So enough of that geek now. That's my pick of the week. Edmonton, California. Before we break, guys, Martin Bailey, what do you have coming up that you'd like the TWIP audience to know about? I've got a, a few notes here in our show notes, you know, that I've, be, I've work, been working really hard on this 4K video slideshow. I'm hoping to put something out, but the perfectionist in me doesn't want to release it with the music I've got at the moment. So it might I might have to switch to something else. Like I said, a lot of a lot of office time at the moment. I've just completed a a really good tour guide book for my Namibia tour that's coming up. Um, that's next year, but we've we've got to sell the seats over the next couple of months. So if anyone's interested in going to Namibia with me, um, it's over half full, so it's going to happen. Um, it's wow. whether or not we take a second car now. So um, if cool. you go to mbp.ac slash Namibia and take a look there, um, that would be, it would be great to travel with any of you. One last thing is, this is a little bit dangerous to throw out there, um, I'm kind of hoping that there's only a few people listening after two hours, <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, but, they they hang in there, Martin. Yeah, Sorry to tell you. <laughs> I know, I know. So, so the thing is, um, I I'm represented. I'm I'm with a stock agency called Offset. It's like the the elite leg of Shutterstock, um, and they've contacted me recently and asked me if I know of any great photographers that I could recommend to them. Um, and I, I've got a, a bunch of few, a few people that I want to, I want to recommend, but I'm going to throw out there: if anyone feels as though your work is good quality, you know, really good quality photography, and you, you want to perhaps get involved with Offset, drop me a line. I, I, we'll put a link in the show notes or something, just to my contact page. Drop me a line with a, 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 a link to a. I don't want a website, just a, a 25 images or something a really good quality portfolio of the sort of work that you make. And I'm not going to commit to get back to everyone that talks. I'm going to mention this on my own podcast as well. 
I'm not going to commit to get back to everyone for, for one reason. I'm, I'm not going to be making the decision. Um, mm -hmm. If I say, yeah, your work's beautiful and then recommend you to offset, they could say, no, it's crap and we don't want to know. So, yeah. so I'm not going to say that I'll get back to everybody. But if you would like me to take a look at your work with, and consider recommending it to offset so that you know you can actually start making some money from your photography um then go to go to mvp.ac slash contact drop me a line mention that you you heard it on twip and and i'll uh, and give me that link to your to your website uh, or your portfolio and i'll take a look and uh, and you know if, if it's worth talking with uh, offset about i will and then they'll make the decision as to whether or not they want to contact you very good, Sweet. very good. And what and what kind of money could can they make by participating in that program? Well, some months I make a couple of hundred bucks. Some months I make in the thousands. Um, they've actually just I, I've never done a an exclusive, uh, an, you know, an exclusive licenses where you basically take the the image off the market. I've never done that because usually people don't want to pay. Um, mm -hmm. But I've I've just made a four digit sale in dollars, a four digit sale. Um, for one photo with offset for an exclusive nice. license. Um, and that's the sort of thing wow. that doesn't happen often. Um, and, you, and you've honestly, I wouldn't do it for all of my photos, but they, they wanted one that I was happy to sort of take off the market in other, in other ways. Um, so, yeah, you can make a lot of money with it as well. Um, on average, it's, it's going to be a couple of hundred bucks a month over the year, maybe, maybe a few thousand in, in the good months. But it's it's money that you know if unless you've got if you've got images just sitting on your hard drive yeah, that are quality it. images and you're not selling them any other way, mm -hmm. you know, and they don't they don't necessarily want exclusivity. They they, they just you know they they will um, just put them up there and uh, obviously they create it. They, they that's part of what they pride themselves on. It's a created a curated set of of images. Um, Love it. So yeah, Love uh, it. but right. I think what's interesting well, is when. When you tell people about doing that sort of thing, right? So you're selling your images, not your services. It's a, it's a completely different type of photography, and and I think like what what you can appreciate is it's a lot of you know once you've shot it, it's a lot of passive income. You know what I mean? Like you just put it up there, and you can make money literally by just doing nothing else. You know, it's like, like an annuity, at that right, point, right? You know, and, and in that respect, yeah, it's more like a a, 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 a faucet dripping than you know being a commercial shooter and and getting a five you know a five uh, digit day rate you know for something you shot but it's a much different type of photography you know so yeah. It, yeah yeah interesting cool martin all right well we'll link to that um to your contact page and that's that's good thanks for thanks for putting that request out there no no problem Jose Rosado, yes, man, what do you have? What do you have coming up? What are you working on? Where can people find you? So uh, the first thing I want to launch with is something that is a kind of a kind of like a passion thing for me, and I really have been kind of driving it and wanting to make it a lot bigger. Is uh, it's a site called CreativesAgainstDepression.com. So long, long short of it is, uh, I'm old enough to know. Uh, what it was like before social media, and and uh, and I I know that nowadays even if you're not a self-employed person and you're not a creative, that a lot of times everyone realizes that right now the way everything is is that we all have our own personal brand, and it's it's kind of scary that a lot of people uh, sit there and say, you know, I I struggle with 
depression. I struggle, let's just say I struggle with the frustration of being a self-employed person, right? It's not easy, you know? And, and to say like, you can't, you feel as though you can't complain about it openly in a public forum, whether it be social media or otherwise, because let's be honest, a lot of us look at it like that's how we get clients. And we sit there and say, well, we don't want our clients to think that we haven't booked anything in three months. We don't want our clients to think, you know, that we're, we're struggling and we're depressed. No, it's like, my life's a highlight reel. I'm shooting here. I'm shooting there. Check out this new client. Yeah. Check out this new job I'm doing. Because, again, we're always thinking of selling and we're thinking of, well, if we show that we're not a commodity but we're a prized uh, thing, an entity, that we're going to then book more work and vice versa. And quite simply, it's just not, it's just not true. And uh, and I think what we're seeing is, especially amongst creatives, I mean, it's really it's really crappy to say this, but... Think of how many comedians, actors, musicians, and the like take their lives every year, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's because I think a lot of that is that problem, that people don't feel like they can talk about it, don't feel like they can they can admit they need help uh, in, fear of, for, in fear of losing everything they've built over time. And, uh, and I really think it, it's, you know, you know, so, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I created that for right now. It's a site, and it also has a, a medium publication. So for anyone who who knows what medium is, medium is like an open uh, kind of uh, blog, blogging writing platform where anyone can go on there and write articles and stuff like that. So a publication is kind of like if you think of like Flickr groups, you know, you can mm-hmm. you can add something to it, and all of a sudden it's part of a group and get more eyeballs on it. Same thing. Yeah. So we created one for for creators against oppression on Medium, so people can keep you know, can write however they want and just submit it. Because before it was me Very saying, cool. send it to me, I'll I'll format it, I'll put it up. And then I kind of realized I didn't want that. I didn't want to feel as though anything people were sending me was edited per se. So right. now I make it where you can write it however you want and just, and just submit it to that and I'll, I'll accept it. Cool. Yeah, so working on that. I might even start a podcast for that as well, seeing what that could do. Uh, and my next project is really just continuing to make the angry millennial even better, you know, um, bigger guests, um, more uh, kind of just uh, uh, playing around with the format a bit more. You know, we, we might mm-hmm. we might do a couple episodes where we do like roundtable discussions, kind of like this, you know, we just mm-hmm. talk about certain topics and, and get everyone's opinion um, and less uh, kind of come away from the uh, strict kind of interview interview style that is that is now. And mm-hmm. just working on my writing. So a lot of, um, I got into really into writing. I've always been in the writing. I, I wrote a lot, you know, growing up. But then I, as most people, I got into the, the impressionable years of middle school and high school. And suddenly it was sports and girls and cars and, and, uh, and that stuff kind of fell on the wayside. So the last year I had a lot of time in my hands and, and I figured let me just get back into writing and uh, it's been great. You know, I started writing for F-Stoppers and then um, got some of stuff like Petapixel and then, you know, had stuff on Thought Catalog. And uh, and now I write for uh, pretty much for Shimera Lighting and for um, uh, Borrow Lenses. So, oh, yeah, cool. so it's yeah. been it's been going well. So just I'm continuing to put myself on Medium because I, I knew about it for a long time but just didn't put anything on there. And then once I got into it and realized it was a huge community, it was kind of fun. And uh, doing more of that. Love it. Cool, man. Yeah, you're busy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you have a day job. 
where you're teaching and 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 molding impressionable minds about <laughs> photography. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Well, well, man, you did a great job. Thanks for coming Thank on you. your first debut. Uh, edition of this week in photo, and you were on this. You're on Twip Talks. Today yeah, too. which was I, I think my episode should be called Twip Ramblings, but yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's a good name. Maybe I'll launch a show called Twip Ramblings. <laughs> I don't think I have anything in the R's yet. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? <laughs> we're just gonna run down the alphabet to see what we can do. Exactly. Cool. All right. Quick rundown on me. Um, I'll be speaking at the Out of Chicago conference in June and then again at the Out of New York conference in October. We're launching a new product for the TWIP School next week. If you want to check out the TWIP School, just go to school.thisweekinphoto.com. And at the end of the year, um, in November, I'm heading back to Vietnam and I'm taking 11 people with me to gallivant from Hanoi all the way down to Saigon. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So if you're interested in having your life changed, eating good food while taking good pictures, um, we'll put a link in the show notes to where you can go and register for that. So quick question, Frederick. Yeah. So if you're going out of New York in October, are you just going to stay the whole month in New York? Because it's Photo Plus. Are you going to Photo Plus as well? I haven't made the made up my mind about okay. if I want to go to Photo Plus or not. So oh. I may or may not because that's a lot of New York. It is. That's it's like, a lot. That's why I was, <laughs> that's I was like, I may want to get out of New York at that. That's point. what I mean. I'm like, I don't know if you want to just go back to the or leave to so then go back like a week later. That's why I was asking. Yeah, but then again, I got to go to Vietnam, so it makes sense to fly to Vietnam from New York if I was there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'm trying to work that. All out right, right we're right posted. We'll be we'll be we'll be at Photo Plus for sure. So okay, okay, we'll hang, we'll hang. If yeah. when I if well, regardless when I get right. there, we'll hang. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys, we're at the end of another episode of this week in photo, and I thank our sponsors for this show. Without them, Twip would not be possible. Also, be sure to visit our website over at thisweekinphoto.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and if you happen to be watching this video on YouTube, be sure to comment down below, like, and subscribe. And with that. Yeah, down there. Wait, Jose, do that. Wait, point down again. Yeah, down there. Where's my head? Yeah. 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 Comment. Comment. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Comment, (laughs) like, and subscribe where he's pointing. Yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. Weekend Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. <laughs>